Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 19, the oversight of God. For, for quite a while, we'll be studying the life of David. And, and it, just like in every day that uh, David lives is a day of, of divine guidance and the oversight of God. He's, he, he goes through so many things. This is, this is a microcosm of the people of God who are attacked from directions that are unexpected. But God has a purpose for his people. God has a purpose for David. Of course, David is the progenitor of the Christ. And so he, he carries, he, he, will, he will receive an update on his covenant, but uh, he, he is the king. He is God's designated king and he's not on the throne yet. So nothing can happen to him. It's not that he doesn't have to fight sometimes and have to run sometimes and have to hide sometimes. But the circumstances are always just right so that he, he, he makes it, he makes it out when it seems like it's just impossible. And, and every day of his life is like a movie. It's like something you'd see on television or in the movies. God's oversight, chapter 19, 1 Samuel. The oversight of God first comes in this chapter for David from a friend's intercession. This is an important friend. God just so happens to have established a friendship, a very deep bond between the oldest son of, of Saul, the king, and, and David, the one who is the official uh, replacement from God. Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all of his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted in David very much. So we saw last time, or time before last, that uh, Saul and Jonathan, uh, David and Jonathan, so close as friends, they just, they loved each other as friends very much. And, and they had a bond and they had established a covenant between them. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted in David very much. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeks to put you to death. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning, and you shall remain in secret and hide. And I shall come out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I shall speak on your behalf to my father. And if I see something, I'll tell you. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul. So now... Jonathan begins to tell his father about the goodness, really the greatness, of this young man, David. And he said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, David, because he has not sinned against you, because his deeds are very good toward you. All David has done is exactly what Saul has told him to do. 
he had to uh, get in the army. He'd never, he wasn't even old enough to be in the army, but he got in the army according to Saul's command. Then he became the captain of a thousand, which wasn't enough really to fight the Philistines. They, they had greater numbers, didn't matter. And he kept winning his wars. And the more Saul, Saul told him to do that in, in Saul's mind would endanger David, even to the point of having David killed, David always came out of it triumphant and it endeared the people all the more to David. Still, all David had done is exactly what Saul had told him to do. And he took Michal, Saul's daughter, but Saul told him that the dowry would be the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. Obviously, that would be a very difficult task. But David brought 200 foreskins of the Philistines. Over and beyond anything that Saul had ever told him to do. So a war comes up again with the Philistines. David gets right on his horse and leads the people out, comes back triumphant. And all the more people uh, love David. So he says, he hasn't done anything against you. As a matter of fact, everything that he does is good for you. You're the king and he's winning these battles and subduing the Philistines. Uh, this is a good thing for you. This is not bad. But Saul was very jealous. And he put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. And Yahweh wrought a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. Why then should you sin against innocent blood to put David to death for no reason? Now that's pretty good speech by Jonathan telling Saul that everything David does only makes Saul look better as well as the king. But the jealousy of Saul was from an evil spirit and, and we surmise that from, from the way the stories go. Saul listened to Jonathan's voice and Saul swore as Yahweh lives he will not be put to death. Now, now of course that's a breach of the Ten Commandments. He took the Lord's name in vain. He swore an oath and it was a false oath. But Jonathan believed him. Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him all these things and Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was before him as yesterday and day before. In other words, it was like nothing had ever happened. David was before Saul in his court just as he was in the beginning. So here is the intercession of a very dear friend. And it, it gives a time of respite for David. Uh, not, only, not only seeing Saul, Saul's uh, nerves calmed down but and his jealousy somewhat abated momentarily it also strengthens the bond between Jonathan and David because Jonathan took a big risk interceding for David to his father Saul and so David is once again restored to the court like nothing had ever happened and he's back to writing psalms and singing them 
for the king. The next way that Yahweh exercised oversight in the life of David was the intervention of family. When you read the entire story of David, and, it, and it's, it's quite a big section in the Bible, you, you, get to, you see that David was beloved by everybody that got to know him. Now, there were people who, had a, who already had a mindset against him in the case of Saul and some of Saul's allies that Saul uses and certain other people that didn't like David. But generally, people loved David. This brings us to the relationship that he had with Saul's daughter, Michal. There was war again. David went out and battled the Philistines and dealt a great blow upon them. And they fled from before him. So now this makes Saul jealous again. Things have been going fine. David had to go and fight a battle against the Philistines. Overwhelming victory. And an evil spirit from Yahweh was upon Saul. And he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand and David was playing the, the guitar, the, the stringed instrument, with his hand. And Saul attempted to pin David to the wall with a spear. This is the second time he's tried this. But he slipped away from before Saul and Saul drove the spear into the wall, but David fled and escaped on that night. David could probably see it in Saul's eyes. David is singing his, his sweet psalm, his song. And all Saul can hear is the voice of David. David, David, David. So, so Yahweh, you'll see what it says, an evil spirit from Yahweh was upon Saul, testing Saul, revealing Saul as to who he is. And this was a spirit of jealousy, which turned into a spirit of rage and murder. And he was going, he tried to kill David again with a spear, going to pin him to the wall. David obviously saw it coming. He saw the change coming over Saul. And I guess, apparently, when Saul reached for a spear, David took off. David said, you know, uh, I've seen this before, and, and I know what's about to happen. Slipped away from before Saul. Saul drove the spear into the wall. But David fled and escaped on that night. Now, apparently, David was still to this point attributing the behavior, the evil behavior of Saul to a mental illness, an evil spirit, uh, uh, something that, that Saul couldn't handle. And even then, David did not run into the wilderness or hide in a cave. He just goes to his house where his wife is. Saul sent messengers to David's house to guard him, to put him to death in the morning. Michal his wife told David, 
saying, if you do not flee for your life tonight, you will die tomorrow. My, my father, the king, is sending people to kill you with instructions to kill you in the morning. McCall let David down through the window and he went and fled and escaped. That's just good stuff. That's just, that's exciting to think about this. Apparently, the way it was done in those days, a king would attach his castle to the most significant, significant and protective part of the wall. But the king's castle, uh, the king's house would have spread out along the wall and up high where an invading soldier could not get in that easily, up high, three or four stories, maybe two or three stories, would be windows to the various rooms of the king's castle, the king's house. So that means the window was part of the wall and this is how David escaped. McCall let David down through the window and he went and fled and escaped. And McCall took the teraphim. Now that's an idol. I don't know why she had an idol, but she had an idol apparently about the size of David, a statue of some kind. And put them, there's more than one, put them in the bed and she put a goat skin at its head and covered it with a garment. Saul sent messengers to take David. And she said, well, he's sick. He's in bed and he's sick. Saul sent messengers to see David saying, bring him up to me in the bed. If he's sick, fine, bring him bed and all to me that I may put him to death. The messengers came and behold the teraphim were in the bed and the goat skin was at its head. So she made it look like somebody in the bed. And Saul said to Michal, why have you thus deceived me and you sent away my enemy so that he has escaped? And Michal said to Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I put you to death? Now that's not true. So, David never threatened his wife. But this was her excuse so that her own father wouldn't put her to death. He threatened to kill me if I tried to stop him. And so he's gone. Now, the last thing I want us to see in this chapter regarding the oversight of God in the lives of people beyond friendships and friends who intercede and beyond family members who stand in and, and intervene for us. But then there's the spirit of God always there. The prevailing spirit. Let's look at this. Now David had fled and escaped and he came to Samuel to Ramah. Sam, a very old man. Remember that Samuel had the Spirit of God such that God had said to the people several chapters back, I'm putting my word in Samuel, and if Samuel says it as my word, it is my word. So, very, very important, uh, a very important, now he's the last of the judges, yet he's still a prophet, but as the last of the judges, his position didn't exist anymore. He he would, as people are, 
Samuel would have diminished in the eyes of the people. So he just goes off. He's a very old man and he's, he's off in sort of a lonely place. But David knew where he was. He told him everything that Saul had done to him and he and Samuel went and stayed in Naot. Well, obviously Ramah was a little bit too crowded and too many suspicious people. So they withdraw to a more obscure area. Scholars disagree as to where Naot was. And if they don't know, I don't know. Uh, but all agree that it was a more obscure area, a more private area where, where Samuel and David could withdraw, hopefully away from prying and spying eyes. Saul sent messengers to take David and he saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel was standing his head over them. So Saul had an easy time finding them because the school of the prophets were there and they were prophesying. Now, when a company of prophets come together, what they had, what the, the, the terminology references a happy Holy Ghost meeting. That's kind of how you'd describe it. They were singing and they were dancing and uh, they would usually dance in a circle and their songs were the word of the Lord that had been put to music or a chant of the word of the Lord. And so then every once in a while they would prophesy to the word of the Lord. And this was a very happy, upbeat, very exciting, energetic kind of worship uh, that, the, that the prophets were engaged in. So he saw the company of prophets, Saul sent messengers, saw the company of prophets prophesying, and Samuel was standing his head over them. The Spirit of God was upon Saul's messengers, and they too prophesied. So instead of killing David, they got happy with everybody else. And they started singing and prophesying. Well, that, that couldn't have been good news to Saul. And they told Saul, and he sent other messengers, and they too prophesied. The next group got happy, and they got engaged in the worship. And they were all singing and dancing and having a good time, proclaiming forth the word of God, singing praises to it and chanting to it in their, uh, in their prophesying. Saul continued to send third messengers and they too prophesied. So there just wasn't any stopping. I mean, this was like a revival from on high. Anybody that goes into the area just gets caught up in the spirit of the moment in praising the Lord. And this was a, this was a profound presence of the Holy Spirit. We saw that a while ago. The Spirit of God was there. And he also went to Ramah. And he came to the great pit, which is in Sechu. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And one said, they're over there at Naut in Ramah. And he went there to Naot in Ramah. And even upon Saul came the Spirit of God, and he went along with all that, and he started prophesying. But his, his happy time started before he ever got there. Until he came to Naot in Ramah. 
And he too <laughs> stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and he fell naked all that day and all the night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? I'll tell you, I like an energetic worship service as much as the next guy. And I like it when they stand up and testify to the Word of God. I don't mind that at all. Now, there are some things, there are some lines that I don't believe should be crossed. Uh, but, you know, people just get happy. But now I draw the line here on people getting naked. Uh, <laughs> this is a gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. Samuel over there all happy and shouting, old man, you know, getting in the spirit. David kind of standing behind Samuel wondering what's going on. And, I'm, and they're all getting happy and Samuel's getting happy and Saul is coming in prophesying and Samuel says, that's right, tell it brother, oh tell it. Come on, sing it. And then he starts singing and then this big old seven foot tall man just dancing around, jumping around, singing, shouting praises to the Lord. Then he starts taking his clothes off. Oh, I don't believe I'd do that. I believe I'd, no, no. Oh, he fell down. <laughs> Well, nobody was going to, who would, who would want to touch him, right? He fell naked all day and all night. <laughs> I can see it. Now. Again, the gospel according to Charles. You pick him up. I ain't picking him up. You pick him up. No, I ain't going to pick him up. Well, let's just leave him there. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I don't know that that part would make it into the movie script. Um, well, it might on some movies. But Saul is a, he's almost schizophrenic. Of course, an evil spirit had been after him. And it's one thing to be in the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of God fall on him. Upon him was Ruach Elohim, spirit of God. And he went along prophesying and he started before anybody else did and he'd been doing this a long way. It's, it's one thing to be happy in the Lord, but then, but then he just, he, you know, he, he, he does this crazy thing which causes people to ask this question. What is this? Is this a prophet? What is Saul doing? And it was a good question to ask because nobody really could tell what he was doing. Uh, he was, he was just crazy, a crazy man, which adds as we move next time into the next uh, chapter, it, it adds to the, um, the questioning of Saul's fitness, his mental fitness, his, of course, his spiritual fitness uh, to do. And there's just one thing after another in the life of Saul that continues to reveal a very, uh, a, an evil and, and worldly man as he goes along. Well, we're going to stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.